This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the program Warning with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Today's program was recorded February 2nd, 2008. In this program, Dr. E.J. Buckart shares from David Wilkerson's newsletter, These Times Demand Special Trust. Now, let's begin. As we're uh, starting to uh, understand the signs of the time, I believe that it's, it's one of the things that we need to prepare ourselves for these times, not in a fearful way, but, you know, Lord says not to fear, but at the same time, we do worry, Okay. We're not supposed to worry, but let's face it, we worry. Parents worry about their children. Children worry about what their future is going to be. These are things that we deal with, but through Jesus Christ, we can overcome the worries and we can overcome the fears. But we do have those. So this was one of David Workinson's newsletters he sent out. It says, these times demand special trust. Okay? Now there's three sections in here he talks about. Number one, we need special trust when an act of obedience casts us into the unknown. That's where we're being obedient to the Lord and it puts us into a situation we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring or the future is going to bring. If the Lord says, pack your bags and I want you to move to Kenya, this would be an act of obedience, but you don't know what the unknown has to do. The second one he talked about is we need to have a particular special trust when our livelihood is threatened. And the third one is we need a special trust in times of calamity that comes as a result of divine judgment. And we can see that, as we understand it, that the United States is coming under a divine judgment. And so we need a special trust to see us through it. In Scripture, a lot of people are called in are saying, what am I going to do when I have to take the mark of the beast? And if I don't take the mark of the beast, I can't buy or sell. That means I can't pay my bills, I can't buy my groceries, I won't have anything to eat, and all of this stuff. This is what's referring to there is when we come under divine judgment. But just for a closer walk with God, which we'll sing, will help us through that if we have that. Every Christian claims to trust in the Lord. I think that's pretty common knowledge. We all say that we can trust in the Lord. But in reality, many of God's children aren't ready to face the black storm that's coming to this world unless we have a special trust. So when the full fury of the storm breaks and uncertainty falls over humankind like a cloud, multitudes of Christians won't be able to handle it. Now, my purpose here as the pastor of this fellowship is that you will not be one of those Christians, but that you will be able to handle it. And remember again, this is what David is speaking to his church. He's trying to prepare his church for this as well. And of course, as he has told his church, New York is going to burn. So this is the people he's talking to. He's told them the prophecy that this city is going to burn and when it happens the fire department will not be able to get there to put out the fires. The police department will not be able to protect the firemen because there will be so much rioting going on and the city will literally be in total chaos. And this is what happens. 
He says, For years, godly shepherds have urged Christians to set a time each day to meet God in prayer. We are under the shepherd of a man who has taught us that we need to be in the Word each day. We need to pray each day. In other words, you need a closer walk with the Lord. This is the only way that we're going to be able to get through it. How are we going to do it? Supernaturally, Jesus will do it for you if you become and have that faith and trust in Him. He says here, you'll see, communion gives birth to trust. Communion is not, we're talking about taking the bread and the wine. We're talking about having a relationship where you spend time with the Lord in prayer, you spend time in His Word, and studying His Word, you commune with Him, and then you'll be to get develop a trust. How does a young child trust his parents? Because he's with them, they're with him, they cuddle him, they take care of him, they don't let him down. A little child can jump off of a balcony into his father's arms, not a problem. He has that faith and trust because of what's been built up. I mean, if his father just once, a child jumps off, his father steps away and lets him go out, I'll tell you what, the trust is gone. So you build this up in relationship with an individual. Okay, read Psalm 62.8. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Okay, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart before Him. Now, here you find out that trusting and pouring out are inseparable. There is nothing wrong with pouring your heart out to the Lord. Ron, right now. He pours his heart out to the Lord because he needs something. He needs a healing. So you trust in the Lord, but also you pour out your heart. And I'm sure Ron's prayer is, oh, Lord, just heal me. He says, Lord, this stomach of mine is hurting me very hard. I need the pain to stop. I need it to be healed. Very specific. Pouring your heart out to God. And we don't have to be afraid when we cry out to God and say, oh, Lord, I just need your touch. Well, maybe sometimes that's a proper prayer. But other times you need to, Lloyd said, well, how do you want me to touch you? Yeah, he knows what he, you know, but he kind of wants you to say, what do you need? A child comes to the parent, says, hey, Dad, I, I need some money. I said, well, how much or what do you need it for? I mean, tell me. And chances are you may get it, but just to say, hey, I need money, you may not get it. Okay, you need to be specific. And this is, once again, getting a relationship with the Lord. If we are to trust God at all times, including the darkest times, then we must be pouring out our hearts to Him without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. There are believers who call daily on the name of the Lord. Uh, go to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Okay, the reason I added five is here it says, uh, this part it says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. But there's a little thing that goes before it. <laughs> which is very important that we have that trust in the Lord. And the revelation from God's Word will uphold them in the hardest of time. And that was something we have to learn to believe. God will uphold those who trust in Him, rely upon Him, who have been in the habit of calling upon Him, carrying out their burdens, carrying out their trust to Him. He says, David learned to call out to the Lord in every crisis of his life. Time after time, this godly man ran to his secret place, emptying all of his fears before the Lord. Samuel 22, 2 through 18. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and cried to my God. 
and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and did fly, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind, and he made darkness pavilions round about him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and discomforted them. And the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord. At the blast of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from above, he took me. He drew me out of the many waters. He delivered me from a strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. Okay, for those, that, that's a, uh, there's 51 verses in that psalm, and it's a very interesting one. It's Solomon's, it's uh, David's psalm of praise. Right now we're going to take a look at verse 7. I read that whole thing because we refer to different parts of it. Verse 7 and verse 18. Verse 7, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter his ears. He delivered me from my strong enemies and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. When uh, the biggest storm of David's life came upon him, he was ready for it because he had spent the time with the Lord. He always had a song in his heart that he could sing through the darkness and uncertainty. Samuel, uh, we read 2-4, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior, Thou savest me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. I think we have about two songs in there that have been written based on this. A lot of songs written on this particular psalm. David had seen the storm coming in his day. We see the storm coming in our day. At least I hope you do. It is a storm of violence with floods of ungodly men. Yet none of these things seem to bother David. His trust is in God, had been set and anchored because of his daily communication with him. And David delighted his soul in God's word. David goes on to say here, he says, this is David Wilkerson. Likewise today, many believers shut themselves in with the Lord and their growing intimacy is giving birth to a great trust. However, dear saint, if you are not faithfully communing with God in prayer, you open yourself up to a double fear and a double terror when things get bad. Most Christians have a general trust in the Lord. And here are some of the promises we stand on. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You ever called that one out? We'll use that one. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from them that walk uprightly. These are well-known passages which I hope we've all memorized and used and you'll be able to repeat to build up the trust. Remember in Scripture, God always is saying to the people of Israel, remember when I brought you out of Egypt. Remember when I did that. In other words, he's always calling back because what does that do? It takes you back to see what God has done. And when we're in a, a state of situation where God, where are you? Okay, and we're all going to be there. God, where are you? I've been praying. I'm not hearing answers. Where are you? We need to say, that like God says, look back to see what I've done. Look at the miracles that you've seen. We've all seen miracles. Amen. Okay, so God, if he did it then, he can do it now, and he can do it in the future. Amen. If you remember what he did. 
These promises have brought great blessings to us. God gives us specific promises for special times, including hard time. And God wants to give us particular specific promises for specific times in our lives. And he goes on to point out there's three times in which we discussed earlier. We need a special trust when an act of obedience cast us into the unknown. Okay, this is, then he goes on and talks about Abraham. Okay, he said to Abraham, get up, get out of the country from thy kindred and from thy father's house and go to a land that I will show thee. Okay, what he said here was Abraham was to get up and he obeyed. He went out and not knowing where he went. The Lord didn't lay out before Abraham a neat, detailed travel plan. Instead, he simply said, gather your family, pack up your belongings, leave your kin and go to a place where I tell you. Your husband would come home and say, pack your bags, we're leaving. Where are you going? I don't know, but we're going. God said to go, we're going. Abraham was given no explanation, no description, no warning of the possible dangers involved. Abraham just said the promise was, I will show you and I will bless you. So he says, you do this, I will show you the way and I will bless you. His wife, Sarah, he says here, was probably a modern day woman. She'd ask questions like, uh, hey, Abraham, where are we going? We're going to go south, we're going to go north, we're going to go east, we're going north. where are we going? What kind of clothes should I pack? Should I take one suitcase, two suitcases, three suitcases? Do we need to pack any food? Diapers for the baby? They didn't have a baby there, but you know, they come along. Where are we going to settle? Are we always going to settle down? Or are we going to be moving all the time? And Abraham could only answer, he says, God said to go, and we're going. He'll show you the next step as soon as we get moving. We can trust God that if we move, God will show us the next move we're supposed to do. We sometimes think that when God commands us to do something and we obey, everything is going to be smooth sailing. <laughs> now that is not scripture. Matter of fact, if Abraham probably knew what he was going to have to do, he may have said, uh, can't you make it a little easier on us when we pack our bags and go? Do we have to go through the desert? Do we have to go into the snow-covered mountains? Do we have to go through the desert? Do we have to go through this warring group of people in Canaan to get to where we're going? And then end up in a famine in Egypt? I'm glad, David says, I'm glad that God didn't tell Abraham about the path he would be walking. So when we sit back and we ask, God, okay, you asked me, you want me to move, you want me to move. Maybe it's not a good idea to ask you, God, well, what's going to happen along the way? You're better off to just trust the Lord, move, and he will see you through it. Because I think the reason that's stated there, because if Abraham probably knew, he may not have gone. And Sarah probably really wouldn't have gone. <laughs> so this is just human nature, folks. But through it all, he, Abraham was never in danger. Nobody could touch him. And how many times we heard Pastor Hansen say, nobody can touch him, God allows it. That's not pastor's words, that's a biblical principle. No one can touch you unless God allows it if you're doing what God wants you to do and you're following his will. God was his shield and protector every day. And because of his faith, Abraham was becoming a friend to God. When God asks his servants to step out into the unknown, it is not a one-time event. It is a walk that is required for an entire lifetime. Once you get a Kate life and say, Lord, what are you doing? The Lord says, I want you to go and be a missionary, or I want you to go and be a prophetic voice for the world. It's a entire lifetime. I remember Dr. Mike when he went over to Romania the first time. And he figured he was a dentist. So Dr. Mike says, I'll go over there, I'll do my thing, and I'll come back to America, and I've done my thing. <laughs> Dr. Mike now is a missionary in Kenya, setting up dental clinics there, and he set them up in different parts around the world. So in other words, it's a walk in life. It's not a one-time event. 
Now, you could turn your back on the Lord and say, no, I'm not going to do it again. I mean, you can't do that. But once he starts you, uh, he'll fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit, and there will be a drive. There's a drive that, that the Lord gives you, a desire that he gives you. And Grandma Hanson knows it. She's been a pastor's wife and a missionary's wife. She knows what the drive is. It, it gets into your blood. And even to this day, it's still in her blood. I think if she could, she could probably go with her son over there if she was physically strong enough to do it. And she would be a mighty weapon over there, I'll guarantee you that. Those who obey him, who step out not knowing what will happen to them, yet blindly trusting in his word, will never go outside of his protection. There is another key principle. The first one that I believe in here is important was that nobody could touch Abraham. God was his shield and protector every day. And then those who obey him, who step out not knowing what will happen to them, yet blindly trusting his word. He will never be outside of his protection. Uh, David Wilkerson goes on the letter and tells us about a lady in his church who was a very, very famous actress. And the God says, give up the business completely and uh, leave it all behind. And she was set up to be the best supporting actress. And she stepped out, she quit her job, but the next day the agent called her and offered her a starring role with three of the best known actors in the business. And she hung up and she said, no Satan, I know what you're trying to do, I won't change my mind. And her life changed and she won a court battle and everything else went on from there. But in other words, it's the point of it here is, is that whenever you step out in faithful obedience, the devil will bring some enticement to draw you back to the side of disobedience. Obedience will always cost you something. So I think there's many people in this room that have stepped out. And as soon as they've done it, or they said they're going to do it, the devil comes in and says, what are you doing? What are you giving this up for? Why are you doing this? I won't ask for testimonies here, but I think I could get a few. That uh, once they made a decision to do something for the Lord, Amen. all of a sudden, all these attacks start coming in. And believe it or not, they are attacks of the enemy. And so you, as this is one of these where you need that special trust in the Lord. When you step out, they have that special trust that the Lord will be with you and see you through. Uh, David goes on to tell, you know, that he was down in Texas, a nice, comfortable area. And the Lord says, go to New York. I mean, he'd been there before. He'd been there for many years. And go back to New York and establish a church. And uh, he had no congregation. He had no building and very little money. And God says, go and I'll be with you. I'll bless you and I'll be your reward. Twenty years later, you know the, the wonderful ministry that he has there. So once again, it's like an Abraham stepping out when the Lord says. But if you listen to his story and his wife's story, it's very interesting. It's not an easy path along the way, but the Lord was with them all along the way. And they can look back and say, see what the Lord has done when I was faithful. So young people, you're going to be asked to step out in faith. You know, you're not going to know what's coming, but the Lord will see you through it, even through the tough times. And there will be tough times. The Lord doesn't say it's going to be an easy path. He says it's going to be a blessed path at the end when He gets your reward in heaven. It'll be all over with. But in the meantime, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have struggles along the way. But the Lord says, I will be with you. But well, here's a few promises that you can carry with you to the throne room of God. Uh, Exodus 19.5 Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Jeremiah 7.23 But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. We have these ironclad promises that the Holy Spirit will be with us through all of our steps of obedience and testing. Okay, Acts 5.32. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Okay. 
uh, go back. I'm going to go back to that one that says, Obey my voice, and I'll be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk you in the ways that I have commanded you. In other words, you need to walk in the way God has commanded you, which is understanding the Holy Scriptures, so that it may be well with you. You're not out there on your own, doing your own thing. Right. You're doing it the way God has said to do it. So the point of it here is God is telling us to lay something down. If God is telling us to lay something down, to step out and do it, step out and do it, and see God work in your life. If you don't step out, and famous ones, getting out of the boat, <laughs> if you don't get out of the boat, you'll never walk in the water. That was always a possibility. You get out of the boat, you may not walk in the water too. But if you follow the Lord, and the Lord says, come to me, now you have the assurance when you step out of the boat, you're going to walk in the water because you have done what the Lord has commanded you to do. So if you understand that story, and Peter, Peter just didn't step out of the box and walk over, the Lord says, come. And he did. But to do that, he had to gap the place from the boat to where Jesus was. So he had to walk on the water. But he did what the Lord commanded him. Very, very important. You do what the Lord commands you. Okay, the second one is uh, we need a particular special trust when our livelihood is threatened. Right now, in America, most Americans are downright scared. Uh, builders, realtors, uh, Wall Street professionals, executives, lawyers, restaurant owners, small business owners, they're all saying the same thing. It's worse than most people know. And it's getting worse. Everything is shaken. And remember what Pastor Hannah says, God will shake this nation. And we are being shaken. He goes in that talks about homes being repossessed, uh, families doubling up with other families in single-dwelling homes to make a living because they can't afford the big cost of the homes there, especially in New York City and here in Seattle area as well. And none of us like to hear these kinds of depressing reports. Uh, but the Puritans had a saying, our afflictions bribe our discernment. So I had to ask my wife on that one. She answered it right away. Our affections bribe our discernments. We all love America and our American way of life here. But unless we face the truth that hard times in this nation are upon us, we'll never have the trust and confidence that we're going to need. We've got to be able to discern the times so that we can ask God for the specific trust needed to see us through that time. Make no mistake, none of this is catching Jesus by surprise, what's taking place. He saw it coming. He's got his hairs numbered on your head. He's counted every sparrow that's fallen beforehand. He knows all of these things. He knew about every job layoff we would face. He knows our bills, our needs, the number of children we have, and there isn't one thing our blessed Savior didn't know that he told us. Matthew 6, 25-33. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking a thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't give these things a second thought. 
Your Heavenly Father knows all about your personal needs. He will take care of you as He does the flowers of the field. Jesus told us there would be perilous times coming, famines, wars, pestilence, earthquakes, perplexities, calamities, fear on all sides. If you look at the newspaper or read anything, that's about all you're hearing right now. Uh, earthquakes and winds and famines and, and uh, floods, all of this stuff is going on. It's increasing. And we should not be surprised. It's not of the devil. The uh, devil has no control over the winds and the wanes and the earthquakes. God is the one that created this, and He's the one that controls it. So when these things start to happen, we don't blame it on the devil. We take a look at God. God, what are you trying to say to us? You may wonder, and this is a good question, how can a Christian who's in need give no thought to his physical condition? Okay, Ron, heading home. How can a Christian who's in need give no thought to his physical condition? You're being kicked out of your house. You're, you're kicking out of your apartment. You're losing everything. You lost your job. You have no income. How can a Christian who's in need have no thought to his physical condition? And I like his answer here. He says, because people ask me that question too. I don't have an answer, to be honest with you. I don't have one. All I know is that we can't shrink back from what Jesus promised to us. His words are eternally. I say unto you, in fact, you can take those words, very, these very words to the throne of God and say to Jesus, and here are your red letter words to say at the throne of God. I say to you, Jesus, as Jesus says, I say to you, give no thought to your needs. I will take care of you. Lord, I have a need. Right now, I got a major need. And Lord, I'm coming to you because you will say you will take care of me. Now, I'm trusting on that promise. Now, okay, Lord, what do I need to do so that I can have that promise? We probably don't ask that question. Lord, I have a need. I want my need to be fixed. I want to be healed. I want to have a job. I want to have my family back together. Okay? That's what I want. Is there something, Lord, I need to do so that I can have your promise in my life? And I got a feeling the Lord may say something. And when the Lord says that, it's going to take an act of obedience. And then we will have that. No matter how the storm rages... Our Lord is still feeding the fowls of the air, dressing the lilies of the field, and supplying an ocean full of fish, which all meet their daily needs. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Now I ask you, what kind of father would it be if he fed the dogs and the birds and neglected his own children? What kind of God would number the hairs on your head, but not your coins? The very thought is blasphemy. Our Father feeds the entire animal kingdom, and no amount of hard times will stop His provision. Are you not more better than they? Shall He not more close you than they? I believe God has promised us with a very particular promise for the special hard times that are coming. It was given to Abraham and his seeds as an oath. Luke 1, 73-75. Luke 1, 73-75. The oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Okay, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we are being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of her life. God has sworn to deliver us from every enemy and fearful thing, so we can serve him all the days of our life. The third one was that we need a special trust when it comes into calamity that comes as a result of divine judgment. Every preacher who loves this country must blow the trumpet 
and awaken the people in his care. We just listened to the video on Islam. Uh, this is what every pastor needs to preach. I had a gentleman called in, a Baptist pastor from down in, oh, that was in Illinois, he called me up and he says, I need Dr. Hannison's articles, a Muslim, I need to preach, I want to use it for my sermons and preach them in my church. And shortly after that, another pastor called up from Gulfport, Mississippi. He said, I need to get that. He said, I've been trying to tell the people for the last 30 years the dangers of this. And he said, I need that so I can use it, that I'm not the only one out here, and that there's a man of God up there in Washington State that's saying the same thing. And he said, I need that information. And so, and praise the Lord for that. So every preacher who loves this country must blow the trumpet, sound the alarm, and awaken the people and awaken the church to what's happening. And David Wilkerson calls this the signature judgment. And he says, this judgment mirrors the sins committed against him. Now, uh, he talks about Adonai Bezik. How you pronounce it? Adonai Bezik, who's a king who cut off the thumbs and toes of everybody he captured. And he was not a good king, but what happened to him? When he got captured, he ended up with his toes and things come out. What he did to the others came back to him. Jezebel. Uh, caused the death of Naboth, and whose blood was licked up by the dogs. Well, how did Jezebel die? She fell out a window, and the dogs licked up her blood. This is what you call about mirroring the judgment. Mirroring the judgment. Uh, Haman, remember the book of Haman and Esther? Okay, he built a gala to kill godly Mordecai, and he ended up being hung on the galleys. King Ahaz, who locked up God's prophet in stocks by his feet, died of diseased feet. So judgment will mirror itself. Obadiah uh, 15 sums it up this way. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. The reward shall return upon thine own head. It says right now, God, all of God's judgments in America are mirrored in her sins. Our greatest sin has been a vaulted pride, a can-do mentality. We've been confident our nation could solve any problem, win any battle, find a cure for any disease. We have policed the whole world, confident that our army, of our might. For a long period of time, God has been with us. We had presidents and legislators who were able to overcome the nation's problems. Our scientists were discovering vaccines for all kinds of diseases, malaria, diphtheria, smallpox, tuberculosis, meals, polio. Uh, for those that just went, we're going over to Africa, you have to have your yellow fever shot so you don't get yellow fever, you take malaria tablets so you don't get malaria, you take smallpox so you don't get smallpox. I mean, this has all been done in the past. But now, cures are coming far and few between. We have no cure for cancer. They can remove it, maybe, from the body, but they can't cure it. There's no vaccine for AIDS in sight. And we're drowning in other problems, a drug problem, homelessness, chaos in school, rampant crime, overcrowded jails, health care crisis, the international sex slave trade. And not many years ago, America was the number one creditor in the world. And that was in my day. <laughs> It was in your day when you were probably a little bit smaller than some of you that were a little bit large, probably babies at that time. But at that time, America was number one creditor. And within my lifetime, I can say this, within my lifetime, we have now become the number one debtor nation. Just name the problem and we can't solve it. And as David Wilkinson say, and I can say for him, I deeply love America and I still think it's a preferred haven of the world's refugees. But God's signature judgment on this once ultra-confident nation is humiliating confusion and helplessness. By the omission of our government itself, it isn't functioning. Where is our pride and our can-do assurance? For years we were the head, and now we are being called the tail as prophesied in Deuteronomy 28.44. Someone looked it up, I didn't give that one. Deuteronomy 28.44. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail.
God's most severe judgment on America is yet to come. And this is what Dr. Hansen is teaching. This is what David Wilkerson is teaching. This is what I believe, that the severe judgment on America is still ahead. God will humble this nation's military might. He will bankrupt our theaters. He will confuse our educational institutions. And he'll bring down all our former strength. Why? Because 10 million babies have been murdered by abortionists. He says, I see the murderers spilling bloods on our streets and in our schools. Our strength is ebbing fast. Our economy power has been weakened. So everything is turning on us. And it's being mirrored. Things that we've done are coming back. As we've killed all the babies and the blood's been spilled, now our blood is being spilled in our schools and on our streets. It's a mere judgment. God is exposing our nakedness to the world. He's causing our external appearance to match the state of our soul, and our spiritual bankruptcy is being turned into financial disarray. He is bringing signature judgment on us so clear that no other nation in the world can mistake them. They're seeing it. Now, it's strange that people in America don't see it, but if you travel outside the world, they see what's happening in America, and they want no part of it. <laughs> to be honest with you, they want no part of it. And we're sitting back thinking that we have everything going for us. We've been blinded. As these judgments take place before our eyes, the only answer is to have Jesus Christ as our shield. Now this is why Pastor Hansen is presently in Kenya. He knows that the only answer to the problems of the nation of Kenya is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is going to be the same answer here in America. Now America basically wants nothing to do with God. They not want nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. When that happens, the judgments come. And until there's a repentance in the hearts of these people, knowing that God can come back and come under the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ, then it can be healed. Until that time, it will not be healed. It's just It's unscriptural. Now, what can you and I do? We need to run to meet Jesus in the secret closet of prayer. Let our roots go down deep into Him. We have to know that He has numbered our hairs and our heads and will keep us through all circumstances. So we need to take into consideration these special promises to make us ready for the calamities that we may face. Okay, Psalm 112, 4 through 8. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in an everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. Okay, and Psalm 9, 8 through 10. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Okay, let me just reread that one again, because that's the confidence that we need to have. Yes. And he shall judge the world, that's Jesus shall judge the world in righteousness, the Lord will also be a refuge for the oppressed, mm -hmm. a refuge in times of trouble, and they that know thy name, the name of Jesus, will put their trust in him. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. So we need to seek the Lord at all times. Finally, here is your specific, all-powerful, holy argument for the throne room, throne room of God. And this is the how we approach the throne room of God. Psalms 27, 3-5. Though a host shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. 
One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Okay. For though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise up against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to acquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. So, we need to be able to daily come to the Lord and be very specific to the Lord. If you have a specific need, bring it to the Lord. You don't have to be general. Be specific. And as we come through this and give praise to the Lord, and even in the times when we're in trouble, when things aren't going right, we need to praise the Lord. We can come in here and praise the Lord as we did, and everything is hunky-dory, and we're all happy and smiling, except for Ron, he's sitting over there in pain. But most of us are sitting here in, in pretty good comfort, Lord, and we can praise the Lord. But can we praise the Lord when we get into Ron's situation where, you know, your body's hurting, you know, can't get up, and how do you go to work, you know, and you know you got to go to work because you got to provide for your family, and all of these things got to be heavy pressure. Can you at that point in time praise the Lord? And that's one thing I tell people when they call in all the time. I hear the stories, and I tell you, some of these stories are so depressing, you sit there, Lord, what can I say? You know, there's nothing I can say, there's nothing I can do, you know, other than, than pray with them and say, you know, Yes, you're going through some very, very serious times, very troubled, but remember the Lord said He'd see you through it. So let's, let's get together, let's start praising the Lord, at least you're still alive, you know, you still have your breath, you can still do something about it, and let's praise the Lord. And un, there's something supernatural that takes place when you praise the Lord. So I must say I've been blessed. There's very few times that I have really had to say that well, I was in a situation where I had a hard time praising the Lord. Okay, so I haven't gone through that, and I hope and pray I don't have to go through that. But the scripture does say that when you do go through that, praise the Lord. Amen. But I've heard the witnesses and the testimonies of people. And the testimony come back many times, you know, I've gone through troubles four or five times in my life. You know, the times of praise the Lord were easy, but the times I didn't, I really struggled. I mean, they even, even though they know it, and you've experienced it, it's a continual type thing. Just because it worked last time and it's the, the trouble comes again, you're still going to have to do it. That's the key. Remember, remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's one of the remembrance in the Ten Commandments. Remember, remember, remember. So all I'm trying to say is that when we see all these things happening, going through this time, the Lord says, He has His promises that says, I will see you through as long as you commune with me, you spend time with me, you bring your problems to me. Put your yoke, I'll take your yoke. My burden is light. My yoke. Yeah, so in other words, that is a word of His, a saying we are to bring it to the Lord. And he will take it on his shoulders. And we don't have to do it all. So, word of encouragement. The Lord will see us through as long as we're faithful. And once again, as Pastor Hansen will always say, no one can touch me and the Lord allows it. And if the Lord allows it to the point of whatever it may be, your other choice is you'll be in heaven with the Father as opposed to struggling here on earth. So if you're giving your life to the Lord and you're doing the Lord's work, there is nothing there that can harm you and keep you out of heaven because the, the choice is better than staying here and struggle. 
But it's not, at the same time, the Lord says, I want you to stay here. I want you to go through the troubles because there's people out there that need to hear the gospel, that needs to hear that message that you have in your heart that knows where you're going to go and that he'll see you through it. There's a lot of people out there that are struggling like you are, and they do not have that hope. So our deal is, is to give them that hope and to show them that hope. And I think that's why the Lord sometimes has us struggle through certain events so that we will be strong enough to show others, this is what the Lord did for me. Yes, I did not like to go through the struggle. I did not like to have the unemployment. I did not like to be out of work. I did not like to have a house or a shelter over my head, but the Lord saw me through it. And the only reason that happened is because somebody was good enough to bring the gospel in the love of Jesus Christ to them. And you never know when you make that word of comment to someone you work with, you know, that little testimony that you get, that you give, what it may have an effect on their life. And that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, is to bring that message. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.